probably sound terrible, but we'll see what happens. Sure. Free Wi-Fi, you know what I mean? Uh, anyhow, the drive up was um, terrible. Terrible? So the last time we went— Well, you passed through Albuquerque, so I'm not too surprised. Yeah, that's definitely the problem. Uh, so this why, is the big why issue. Why would you pass through Albuquerque going to Colorado? Well, it's because it's below it. Um, so— the reason why is because right out of Albuquerque is the, is the I-25 that runs directly north. It goes through the north through New Mexico into the south, southern Colorado, up through what they're referring to as the front line, which is uh, basically all this, the major cities that basically run along the, the east edge of the Rocky Mountains. So as you come into the major cities, you come into Colorado, you drive north, you hit Pueblo, Colorado Springs, Castle Rock, then you hit Denver, and then if you keep going, you hit Boulder, and then you hit Fort Collins. Those are the major cities that are on the front line, or front front, front range, sorry, front range. Um, and we wanted to see them, because we didn't get to see them last time. Um, I've never seen Pueblo, I've never seen Colorado Springs, obviously I've never seen Castle Rock other than in videos online. So I wanted to check them out. Uh, so I thought, oh, it'll be fine, you know, we'll just, it's, at the time, <laughs> it was mere minutes difference between going up through Utah and over or coming up through um, not Vail, what's the other one? Oh. Was it last time? Doesn't matter. Basically through this like south end and then over the mountains into Denver. Um, we did that last time coming from Gunnison so I wanted to see something different. And she's never seen like New Mexico other than like the Four Corners type thing. So I thought it'd be fun. So we're going, and all of a sudden, I'm like, it seems really weird we're still going north. Like, we haven't said it, said it east yet. Turns out Apple Maps decided to reroute us because it thought it was a better route. Okay. So it took us uh, 40 miles off our original, like, plan. So then I, you know, I had to, like, it was 20 up and then 20 back, so I had to turn around and go back the other way so we can get back to where it goes. Then it takes us this back road, which was, like, super wet, so it was like the car was sliding around because it's so cold up in Flagstaff area. So, like, you could feel the tires, like, slipping on the, on the, 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 the water. Um, okay, so you guys really hadn't even left town yet. No, we were still – this was, what, 8 o'clock? Or no, it was like well, nine o'clock because we were prepped two hours. Yeah, nine thirty ish, because we had made it all the way to Flagstaff area, and we're headed up. Um, and to my better half's idea, we should have just kept going instead of turning around and going. But I wanted to like go the other way because like hadn't been that way in a long time. Uh, terrible idea. Uh, it was just like, I mean, just like most of the time, there's nothing in the middle of nowhere. You know, you're driving, it's just flat, empty, and you're wondering why you see houses. You're like, where the how the fuck are you living your life out here? Yes, right. But, you know, whatever. Uh, so we're driving there. It's, it's fine, whatever, you know, no, no big deal. But all of a sudden, my front left tire started losing air quickly. Like, oh. not good ways. So yeah. I had a little bit of an issue with it before, um, but it hadn't really happened in a long, like, in a while. And I just thought maybe it was, like, the temperature change and altitude and stuff from before because, like, the trips to, like, Las Vegas and stuff. 
and it hadn't done it in a few weeks. So I was like, oh, cool, whatever. We're driving, and like it's slowly going down. Like the other ones are staying, so it's not altitude or, or, or cold. It's something wrong with the tire. I was thinking the valve's bad or something. So every, I don't know, like 40-mile miles. Miles or yeah. whatever, yeah, we'd have to pull over, do a little rest, put air in it, and then can keep going. Because it would never go flat. It would just go down, and it would give you the warning, like, right. hey, you know. So yeah. I was like, all right, well, whatever. So that was a fun little time waster as well. Um, so what turned, what went from being like a 13-and-a-half-hour drive turned into like a 15-hour drive. Yeah, so then uh, we get here, whatever, we get to the hotel. So originally we are going to get here, check in, go visit with Holly, uh, and then, you know, come back, go to sleep, and then start our, you know, proper vacation. But th- because we got here, like, a little after 11, that was pretty much out the window for us. I've just been driving for 15-something hours, so I was like, nah, I don't really feel like, you know, <laughs> going anywhere. So uh, we came in, went to bed. I got up in the morning with a distinct feeling I was going to see a flat tire on my car. I go out, flat tire on my car, flat as could be. Nice. So I dig the spare out, change it as I pull the tire off, right on top as I pull it off, nail. Wow. So a point, apparently at one point in the drive, somewhere around Flagstaff area or so, I picked up a nail. Probably where we turn around too, yeah. yeah, that shitty little road. Um, so that was fun. So then I took it on a trip with you. Yep. So then I had to uh, go and uh, at first I was going to try to get new tires because I was like, well, I kind of need new tires because my back tires are not great. Uh, so that was a fiasco with like trying to do that. It was just dumb. I'm not even going to explain it. But uh, so then. Uh, I had to set an appointment because everyone everything was booked up for tire repair. So I booked a later appointment, dropped her off with Holly, went over to Discount Tire, and they not only fixed the tire, but remounted the tire all for free. Yeah. I did not know why. I was like, why are you doing this? I think that's something that they do. Apparently, because a $160-something service, they just gave it to me for free. Have you done anything with Discount before? Did you buy those tires from Discount? No. I bought those from uh, no. s I believe. Oh. Out in the surprise. Uh, it's been a, usually when I go get tires done for my car, I usually take them over to Discount. And uh, I think that's a service that they usually offer for people who have bought tires from Discount. Obviously, don't quote me on that. It's been a long time since I've uh, been there uh, to have tires done. But, yeah, I think if you bought tires from discount uh, bought those tires from discount even if you don't like buy their extended warranty on them that if you take them back because you have a nail in it or something that they will fix it for free but obviously you said you didn't which yeah. is cool that uh, obviously they offered that service for you you know kind of one of those things where it's like hey you know maybe think of us next time you will go and get your tires uh, done and I'm going to <laughs> right but they were it was like uh I mean, I don't know if it was just the location I went to, uh, but the guy came out and greeted me, like, in the parking lot as I was, I was like, getting out of my car, and, like, he did all the check-in right there from his little fucking tablet thingy. Uh, 
essentially yeah like he even scanned the tires like the for the tread wear and stuff right from it like everything he showed it to me and I was like what the hell wow. yeah and then we went in and he just did his little fucking computer work and with his with his one good fucking arm because his other arm was in a sling uh, and by but before we even walked in another dude came out grabbed the tire from me went in and started getting it all going and then they pulled the car in put the tire on pressure you know did the pressuring thing blah 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 um, and the only thing I really have to do now is I have to go back and have them reset the tire pressure monitor because it's not recalibrating itself. Oh, weird. Yeah. But that's cool. That's a really good experience. Yeah, it was. It started off as a terrible experience and then turned out to be a really nice one. So, other than that, I mean, that was the, the that was the trip up in the the morning, the next morning. So that was fun. Cool. Yeah. So Joseph, yes, Cody. What do we have to talk about today? We have a few things that we talked about today. As I sit here and talk a little bit, as my saved stories uh, slowly loads on my laptop here, as I take a sip of coffee. Oh, such narration. Mm, coffee, cold coffee from Arizona. It's really good coffee. Is it actually from Arizona, or is it drinking it? Or it's from Arizona because you're drinking it in Arizona. No, it's from Arizona. It's a local uh, coffee company. Oh, you fancy, huh? That fries carries. It is, it, okay. No lie. I used to drink Starbucks a lot because it was the type of coffee that pretty much every, everybody drank. It started losing its flavor for me for a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple of years ago. Too early, I can't talk. Clearly. So I start trying other coffees. Okay. Brands. And I just couldn't find anything that was good. And then Fry's started selling this brand called Cult. And from what I read about it, like I said, it's a it's an Arizona company. Uh, obviously, I don't think they grow the beans in Arizona. Uh, we're not the type of climate that uh, is good for growing coffee beans. But they roast them. They they bring them in and they roast them uh, here in Arizona. So they process they everything distribute here. Them. Yeah, they process everything here. They distribute it, as far as I'm aware, probably only to Arizona, although you can buy them online. Uh, and then Fry's only carried them in, like, those little, like, uh, standees, uh, probably just because they were testing out to see how people liked it. And uh, I bought their espresso blend because I really like that dark espresso uh, flavor. And from that point on, hooked. Like, it is some of the best, most flavorful coffee. I like to drink my coffee with cream and sugar, but you can definitely drink, like, I am perfectly fine with drinking this straight black. That's how good it is. That's how much flavor it has. Wow. And they have, uh, obviously, different kinds, French press, French uh, French press, something called Glorious Sunrise, I think, which is like a blonde, oh, or was it medium roast? Uh, then they have uh, something that's like a blonde roast, and some others that I don't really have very often. But they're all really good. They all taste, like, so different from one another. It's really weird. Uh, another cool thing that they have is, like, tea bag coffee, which I've never tried before, so I bought some. It's a little expensive because it's, like, 13 bucks for five bags. But that's what it is. It looks like a ginormous tea bag. And you rip open the, the individual tea packaging, 
uh, coffee packaging, and then you just put it in your hot coffee, your hot water, and you just let it steep there for like five minutes or something like that, and then you boom, you got coffee. Hmm. I was like, that's incredibly ingenious, and I don't know why anybody's never thought about that before. Yeah, dummies. Anyway. So, we all know that Mike Flanagan has uh, moved on from Netflix. Mike Flanagan, uh, one of the creators, showrunners, whatever he was, of... Uh, of uh, it's too early. Sorry. Um, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor. Uh, what was that other one? That, the vampire one. That was really good. Uh, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. There we go. There was probably some others. It's too early to, to think about this stuff. Anyway, we all know he's defected to uh, uh, Amazon. Well, yeah, he's defected to Amazon. Uh, but the first project that he is now attached to at Amazon is going to be a live-action Dark Tower series. Uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's any more real information from this uh this article from Gizmodo. Uh, I don't think I read the article that you sent, that you sent us. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, because I have mine here, I figured I would. Oh, yours is better than mine. Here. That's fine. That's that's good. You know what? You can go over yours in a second in case there's a little bit more information. Because honestly, there really wasn't any any information in here, with the exception of the fact that they have announced that he is going to be uh, uh, doing this for Amazon. But that's actually pretty much it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, so Joe Joe is uh, is correct. Uh, they are. Um, it's not technically. It's not fully announced yet. They're just in the planning stages of it. Uh, so Amazon is very interested in. He says in the interview deadline that I've sent you. Um, but they haven't confirmed anything just yet. Um, but it looks like it's probably going to be there because they have an overall deal with them. Uh, him and his partner. Um, Trevor, I can't remember his last, Trevor's last name. Anyhow, uh, with their with Intrepid Pictures is what it, their production company's called. Um, so apparently, Mike Flanagan uh, got the rights for the Dark Tower a couple years ago um, after uh, the failed attempts, um, as some would say, for the uh, uh, not only at Amazon because Amazon actually had a pilot they were getting ready to get made uh, but that fell through for many reasons apparently um, but he Mike uh, wrote a essentially a pilot script um, and then a, a pretty in detailed uh, outline of a couple seasons and then an overarching season so he wants to do five seasons and then two feature films and he basically brought it to Stephen King, and Stephen King said, I bestow upon you the rights to the Dark Tower. Um, dollar, please. Yep. So uh, he didn't disclose the price, but it might be somewhere around a dollar, because that's what Stephen King does. Um, but Amazon was super um, happy with what they were bringing to the table, so they haven't, like I said, officially announced it yet. But he plans to be, be the showrunner, um, be the director for some of it, and if not all of it, um, 
he's gonna obviously write the pilot probably a couple episodes but he wants to bring in a small writer's room to basically bolster um, everything and make it obviously a little less work for him but he'll oversee it with uh, his production company um, along with Trevor and they will uh, you know go from there so he says as long as it he but he's, he said is uh, the the main thing you were talking about it is like the fact that he's he's gonna try to make it as true to the source material as possible um, and he he basically referenced the the what the the, the stuff that um, Amazon was doing with Lord of the Rings how it was you know uh, the the production value was obviously staggeringly amazing on that um, and then the overall just process I guess of going through and making it because um, they didn't rush anything clearly and it took them they announced that show like what four years ago or some nonsense like that if they didn't they see it seems like it yeah um, so he's he's he was very impressed with that and then uh, Amazon is looking to, to basically bolster a genre they don't really have a lot of space in which is the uh, the horror genre um, and the nice thing about Dark Tower is it spans a couple different genres got horror has sci-fi fantasy um, western western stuff in it you know so it, it it'll be very interesting to see how they do it if they do it you know properly or whatever um, but it's got some good people behind it and uh, you know uh, Amazon seems pretty gung-ho about it so far uh, which is pretty rad I would say mm-hmm. um, but yeah so that was that was fun uh, to read because uh, with the the last big announcement they they had about everything is they were Netflix had uh, not renewed uh, Midnight Club for a second season um, and it just happened to I mean it, he even said in the interview that it didn't it just was bad, poor timing on when they announced it. It wasn't because he was moving to Amazon that they canceled it, uh, because he already has stuff going on. Like he has the House of Usher limited series that's coming out uh, next year. He said, um, which they've already filmed and edited, and it's basically going through the the, the back end of it. Um, but one of the, one of the things he did say um, is the reason they were looking for a new home is the I guess the last couple of years after the new person came in, in, into power uh, a lot of things changed in terrible ways and he was saying things like um, advertising marketing things like that just kind of went by the wayside um, as you and I have mm-hmm. talked about before uh, I think even on this podcast if not in yes, the IRL um, but uh, he, him and Trevor both kind of agreed I guess with a lot of people uh, that they're promotion and marketing for stuff is just not good terrible um, yeah. and he doesn't feel like there's a lot of support uh, behind it once it kind of like initially gets put out like they'll do a trailer and then whatever but they don't really do any heavy promotions um, and the, and he liked the fact that Amazon is putting things in theaters and Netflix is sort yeah. of too but it's like hit or miss if they what they do and do and don't put in the theaters um, but uh, now that uh, Amazon owns uh, MGM, um, they have uh, obviously a distribution uh, channel they didn't really have before. Um, I mean, because we we've seen a couple of Amazon movies in the theaters, um, yeah. 
but now with like I said with MGM, they probably have a, a much stronger partnership with distribution in the theaters than they ever did before. Um, but uh, I guess in the interview, also he was talking about um, him and Trevor were talking about. I guess there's a lot of uh, original, or not original IPs, but IPs that Amazon owns because of uh, the book deals they have. Uh, okay. I guess in that is options to then option those for projects. Oh, that's cool. So uh, obviously the 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 both Trevor and Mike have a big uh, fandom of books. Uh, obviously, they've done mm-hmm. a lot of uh, adaptations of book material. Um, Mike's two big claims of fame, uh, Stephen King wise, uh, Gerald's Game and uh, Doctor Sleep, were both obviously. Uh, written word before they were motion pictures, uh, and they did mm-hmm. they did well. Um, Doctor Sleep not as much because people were confused about what the hell it was, um, but that doesn't go against anything else other than the fact that you know, uh, it was. If you're not really into the Stephen King universe, you don't really know what Doctor Sleep is until you do some research. But um, it was still it was still a good book and it was or a good movie and everything, so it was you know it's fine. Um, Little things like that that they were talking about, and like how like Amazon is, I guess there's a lot of ideas they they've come to them with both ways, and everyone's really happy with what they have. Uh, he wouldn't say what it was, obviously, um, but uh, they have a lot of potential and a lot of things that they're excited about, and uh, the overall deal um, is not just for him and Trevor to make stuff, but Intrepid Pictures to make things. So. He wants to work with uh, other talent uh, and bring them in and help nurture and, and push them into uh, making projects of themse- for themselves uh, under that Intrepid Pictures um, umbrella through Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about Mike and Trevor's ideas and stuff. It's also working with all these other people um, to you know create and, and uh, flourish in a new space. Because Amazon apparently wants to to really pump in money into horror stuff. Hey, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, they can pump more money into Stephen King stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is where we get the Stephen King universe. Obviously, uh, that was loud. Uh, obviously, um, <clears throat> they don't. Own, uh, Amazon doesn't own all the properties. Uh, in, in, as far as I'm aware, at this moment in time, they only own the property. They only own the rights to the. Dark Tower series right now, uh, but maybe they start picking up the stuff that we, that they can do. We get uh, kind of a mini Stephen King universe, which would be really cool. Yeah, and um, a lot of that. I wonder if um, some of that will revolve around the fact that um, you can technically have multiple versions of stuff. So apparently, there's a I was reading it somewhere not too long ago. There's like this weird, I don't want to say loophole, but like there's this thing where if properties are co-owned and like the the IP is is licensed, you can actually license certain things multiple times. So for example, Dark Tower, right? Mm -hmm. Pennywise is never shown, right? But he's yeah. referred to um, yes. 
obviously in the movie visually in the books it's more of a reference to because they mentioned Derry Maine um, yeah. uh, they, they even mentioned uh, the, the turtle I think his name is escaping at, at this point uh, um, but they mentioned those things because it's all in his the world um, so technically speaking they can actually mention or talk about those things and show certain things they just can't show Pennywise which in the Dark Tower they don't have to no um, yep but they can the name Pennywise uh, they can have up on the screen uh, like they did in the movie um, they can reference Dairy Maine all that fun stuff because it happens to be part of it um, now I'd have to look up to see who owns uh, Doctor Sleep I think it's Universal um, so they really couldn't, you know, do anything with that. But they don't, again, they don't have to because it doesn't have a direct line in um, the movies. Yeah, we're not like showing the characters and showing part of the story in this story. It's just referencing yeah. these stories. At the, and in in the movies and TV shows, we most people call those Easter eggs. Um, yeah, exactly. So that's what it'll be, which is really nice. Um, but the exciting part about it is, is like you can. The only, the only one that's really, and I was thinking about this, uh, was um, the tough one's going to be Salem's Lot. Okay. Uh, because uh, the priest from Salem's Lot, or not Salem's oh. Lot, um, is it Salem's Lot? Yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it is Salem's yeah. Lot. Because that, yeah. uh, the priest, you're, you're correct, the priest from Salem's Lot, after, after the events of Salem's Lot, uh, you know, the, the book it ha happens, and then you find out in, in the Dark Tower that after the events of that, he goes wandering, if I recall right. Yeah, he leaves he because up, he becomes a vampire. He ends up wandering into, like, a portal that takes him to the world of the gunslinger. Yeah. And he ends up in that town of the gunslinger. So you're right. He, yeah, that is, like, a direct, like, he comes over. Now, there, I think there actually are a couple of seriously trying to dig through my memory of the gunslinger because uh, you have that and I want to say there was like at least a one well you have Randall Flagg although he's not called Randall Flagg in the in but yeah, I was going to say I don't think he's called Randall Flagg in, in the stand so well, no, only in the stand yeah he was called Randall Flagg in the, in the book in, in, in the, the stand the yeah but no he's not no he wasn't yeah he was was he he was referred to as Randall Flagg yeah, because they get to the part with the, where they, uh, they get, yeah, because they get to the part where, I, God, I'm trying to remember. Which oh, yes, he does, because that's what, I think it was, yeah. I, I think it was the book where, where they do introduce the, the events of the stand, they talk about it, you have the events of, uh, is that where they sit down and they, they walk through the, the area that hints at the stand, and then they sit down at a campfire, they, then go into the, the story of, of the Wizard in Glass. When they come out, they are introduced to, they, they make it to the, like the Emerald City or whatever it was that they were going to. Uh, and that's where they're introduced to Randall Flagg uh, as the Man in Black, right? See, because I remember... And then the next book, the next book is something about uh, he dies. 
But they do mention Randall Flagg. I'm trying to remember if they if they actually call him Randall Flagg in ninety percent sure Star Tower. Let's 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 Google this. I was looking up uh, Doctor Sleep and who was trying to. It's distributed by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers, okay. Yeah. All right. So now on to the next tangent here. Uh, I guess Rand Randall Flag. Is it two Gs or one G? Two. Oh, two Gs. Oh, it's also two Ls. Two Ls, two Gs, all evil. That's how you get evil, is you have multiple consonants in your name. It is. I'm trying to see if there's a thing in here that talks about it, because I know... I'm looking up the, the character on Wikipedia, because I'm sure like they'll mention it in Wikipedia. I'm just going to keep filling airtime here, because for yeah. some reason my uh, browser decided to uh, take its time in loading uh, the internet. Our internet's been really slow, too, lately here. Okay. Excuse me. Uh, the Dark Tower series. Here we go. Flag makes several appearances in Dark Towers in uh, King's Dark Tower series, which follows the gunslinger Roland Deschain. As he travels in search of the tower, Flag's presence is felt in the opening sentence of the book. Uh, obviously, no. Yeah, he is the man in black. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, it doesn't go by so Randall Flag. I just read it. It doesn't. He doesn't go by Ra uh, Randall Flag in the in the dark series. He goes by Walter O'Dim. Yes, he also goes by Walter O'Dim. But he's never referred to as it says here. He never refers to him as uh, Randall Flag. And there, Flag makes several appearances in King's Dark Tower series. Blah blah blah. Uh, I just went. I just went away from it. Um, Flag assumes. The guise of several individuals, he appears as Walter O'Dim, chased across the desert by Roland in a flashback, uh, as well as obviously reference the other time. Um, I didn't think he was called like they didn't reference him as Randall Flagg until the Wizard in the Glass. That's that's the that's the sticking point for me. I didn't think that he was that they they do refer to him as Randall Flagg. This isn't going to help either because this says also identifying himself as Flag. He warns Roland and his uh, catet uh, to abandon their quest for the Dark Tower, and that's in Wizard and Glass. The character returns to the fourth book, Wizard and Glass, as Martin Broddick, and also identifying himself as Flag. He warns Roland and his catet uh, to abandon their quest yeah. for the Dark Tower. Yeah, so I, th I think that's the only time that they do refer to him as Randall Flagg. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not confident even based on what the, what is said here. Yeah, I can't. Re I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll have to go back and read them. Uh, oh no! <laughs> oh no! Uh, seriously, oh no! That's a lot to read. I'm gonna start from book one. Uh, if you were to go back and read them, would you or read, read them in release order or uh, in chronological order? Because well, there's too much of a difference between the 
between the two? Because doesn't Eric Albright? Which one was it? One of them is technically takes place beforehand. Yeah, it was the it was the the last one or the second to last one or or something like that that he he went back to the series and. Uh, And wrote more about it. I think it was like I think it was like the last one. So that's what I mean. Like for the most part, the release order of them is the chronological order of them. I think it's just the last one that uh, that he went back and added to the series. So the order here is. I mean, I don't think you really need to read. Well, I guess here it says the main series order is the Little Sisters of Valora. Then there's the Dark Tower. Well, I'm not going to say Dark Tower every single time. <laughs> then there's the Gunslinger. Then the Drawing of the Three, the Wastelands, uh, Wizard and Glass, the Wind Through the Keyhole. Then it goes to Wolves of Kala, Songs of Su uh, Susanna, and then the Dark Tower. Yeah, and for the most part, that's 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 the release order. Yeah, the only two uh, that are so out this, of place. The Little Sisters of Eulora was written in 1998. Obviously, that's said to be the first one. And uh, went through the keyhole. Said in 91, then said, uh, yeah, and into the keyhole was the what was correct was the last one that he wrote, but it takes place in between the Wizarding Glass and, and the Wolves of Kala. Okay. So the question would yeah, be... So like I said, for the most part, uh, at that point, it'd be really super... I mean, at any point, it'd, really, it'd actually be probably more enjoyable to read them in uh, chronological order, yeah. going as for what, you know, what, they're, what they, they're listed here, especially since you're only just changing around two books. Well, one, one is literally a short story, but yeah. Uh, here's a little yeah. fun little thing Wikipedia has on here. Did you see this? Uh, page count and number and word count for the entire series. Oh yeah, I'm staring at that right right now. Yeah, we're probably looking at the same. At the same Four thousand three hundred and sixteen pages. One million. To be honest with you, some of these page counts look a little lower than what I would have thought. Like, like if you would ask me, like, what the average page count for all these books are, I probably would have guessed right around the 600 page mark, and I would I would still think that's that's a bit low, because uh, I'm reading here that The Gunslinger is only 224 pages, and that just sounds very low for a Stephen King book, period. Well, it's because The Gunslinger was actually really that's short. Like a, well, that's what I'm saying, is like, in my memory, and knowing how Stephen King writes... I'm like, oh, that's a short story for Stephen King. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's literally that's literally a novella. That's a Stephen King novella. Yeah. So, uh, word count for the whole series: one million three hundred fifty-eight thousand sixty-five. That's a. That's a lot of words. That's a that's a lot of words. Um, the wordiest of them, well, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the. The longer of the books. No, no, it's not. The wordiest one is the uh, eight hundred and forty-five pages, because that's uh, 
272,270. Oh, oh, Steven, just leave one word out. Yeah, bud. 272,273 words. Like, just could have left one word out there. You would have had a nice 272, 272. Uh, but no, the, yeah, the longest one, so that so that one was the, the Dark Tower. Uh, the Dark Tower, I always have to count that out. Seven. Six, seven. Seven, I always have to count out Roman numerals. I can't, uh, I can't see it. Uh, the Dark Tower 7, The Dark Tower, uh, 845 pages, but The Wizard in Glass is 887 pages and 254,691 words. So it's longer, but it's actually a less amount of words. That's weird. I can only assume, and, and obviously this is a weird thing to, to even talk about. Conversations. Uh, Wizard and Glass is, has a lot of monologue conversations in it, so they take up le- they, they take up less, they use less words. They got more room because you start new lines. Yeah, and that's one thing I was gonna say is like you obviously have different spacing and and, and whatnot. Um, but what what's interesting here is like what they have to be going off of. I would hope they'd be going off of original prints of books because obviously when you reprint books even change format in of it you know an amazon kindle book yeah is not going to be the same formatting and length of another book so the page count might actually be different going uh, going from a uh, physical book to that book or maybe you change the size of the you go from original hardcover release to paperback release obviously you're, you're usually shrinking the size of the books to go to paperback, so it changes the page counts on on those things. Uh, so I, I'm I'm hoping that this is like the original hardcover releases of them. This is the page count and word obviously word count shouldn't change unless they make uh, you know grammatical changes and whatnot to it. Well, looking but at I would hope wi- that this would be all the original stuff. Yeah, but looking at Wikipedia uh, for each individual book. They list it as release media as a hardcover. So I'm guessing they're going from the original. From the original media hardcover. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's better than, than the, uh, the alternative. Right. That's gnarly, bum, bum, though. Bum. What is? Just the, the thought that, like, just those, well, I mean... Technically, nine p or ten pieces of no nine pieces of work. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah, uh, he has over one million words written of just those stories. Of just those stories, the yeah. Obviously, prolific as he is, obviously that number is low as shit compared to like the rest of his work. He's released like what two, three books this year alone. Yeah. I swear to God, I open emails from uh, Simon and Schuster or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, read the the latest Stephen King book." And I'm like, "I haven't even made it into the '90s yet, reading his books in chronological order." Stephen, please don't die, but calm down. Simmer down a little bit. I just want to simmer down a little bit. I like a. I, w- I was watching a, a YouTube video, which was uh, th- obviously a much longer video, but it was just a clip of uh, him talking to uh, George R. R. Martin. And Martin was really talking, was kind of joking about uh, how people keep saying, dude, finish 
the winds of winter, you're going to die before you finish it, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he, he asks, uh, now, now I can't remember the whole, the whole thing, but he basically asks Stephen, who is obviously a prolific writer, uh, how do you write so much? And Stephen just kind of had a more serious response than what I was expecting, was just basically like, you know, I sit down and I go, I'm going to write a thousand words today. And so I write a thousand words. And Martin's just like, how do you do that? Yeah, it's a... He's just like, yeah, this is just how I do it. And it's like, it was a little bit more of a serious response than I think even Martin was, was looking it's, to get. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of really um, prolific creators have like a weird set goal. Like Rob Zombie, um, when he sits down to write movies or whatever he's writing... Um, to get it going, he makes himself sit down and write two pages at least every day. He says most of the time it's just he's ends up deleting it um, or just never really using it. Just sits there. Uh, but he he go he he basically forces him to sit down himself to sit down and write two pages of something just to get the the motor running and the the. the mm-hmm whatever you want to say, whatever euphemism you want to use. Um, and he says a lot of times it's not focused on anything. He just sits down and starts writing. So it could be like, hey, today I was thinking about and just starts typing away until he has two pages. And if it spurs his brain into thinking other things creatively, then good to go. If it doesn't, he's just like, all right, well, done for today. We'll try again tomorrow. And so he does that. And once he can get past two pages easily, he then starts working on an idea that he already has. So his brain is already pumping and, and, and running just to get the – Yep, just so he can have that content flowing. And, again, like a lot of times he, he said that it's, it's, just, it's just nonsense. Like it's, it, it's, it's words that make sense, but it's nothing he's going to keep or do anything with. Uh, but that's how he, ran, he came up with like um, – uh, Super Fisto and, and things like that, like the weird animated shit he makes. Um, but it's the same process he goes through, and he, um, I think, and I think one of them, I think it was Thirteen, one of his movies. Uh, it's called Thirteen. Was one of those. It just he started writing one day, and the he continued going past the two pages, and the bulk of it was the premise for Thirteen. And then he just polished That's it up, and you know, made it. Speaking of which, uh, that reminded me about something that I actually wanted to mention to you and see if you uh, even had uh, checked out. Uh, there is a uh, uh, an open a chat. Oh God, a, an AI. Have you heard about this uh, AI chatbot thing? Oh, not the chatbot. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up on my 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 uh, computer, but some reason it just like stopped no it's already pulled up on my ipad which is pretty funny that i can just leave it logged in uh oh my session expired please log in in. okay so it uh the actual thing is called chat gpt i would highly suggest that you actually sign up for this and play around with this uh i would i would like to to show you but uh so if you go to chat that openai.com forward slash chat you'll be presented with a, a login you can log in with your google account that's what i i logged into with ah, cool my daughter logged in 
what this thing is is like some of the most scary and interesting and cool tech out there. Uh, so it is in when when you get into this side of it, because there's an actual other side of it where like really smart programmers and stuff can tie into and actually get you know can can do stuff with. Uh, if you log into just openai.com, <coughs> that's that stuff. But if you specifically go to chat.openai.com forward slash chat, it takes you to this very simplistic uh, looking uh, interface where you can basically chat with this AI. And when I say chat with this AI, you're not like talking to this AI. You're basically requesting things that this AI can do. Uh, let me see if I can, what, what is, give you kind of an about of what they say uh, uh, chat GPT is. So what is chat GPT? And that's what I'm just typing into to the actual chat here. So what's the web address you have? It's chat dot chat dot open AI dot com. So O P E N A I dot com. So as they explain themselves, I am a large language model trained op by open API. Uh, I can only provide information based on what I've been trained on which is a large amount of text data up until two, 2021. That's kind of a, a basic gist uh, of it. But the really cool thing behind this is that, let's say, from a technical standpoint, let's say I wanted to be able to write a script that would be able to uh, ping a bunch of known internal network web addresses so I feed it a list and I want it to try and log into each uh, each of those addresses with my known login information and I want to log uh, I want this script to log which ones are good logins and which ones are not good logins all I have to do is give it an idea like that and it will write the code for me to be able to do it. Now, is it 100% accurate? Not necessarily. Uh, it is something that uh, you'd have to try it and see if it works. Like, it presents everything as the most confident uh, thing possible. It doesn't say, like, oh, I'm not confident this will work or something. It'll just be like, no, this should work. Uh, so you, you can test it. But there have been, uh, on the more technical side, things like really hardcore programmers that have know what they're doing and, and can feed this thing uh, uh, complex ideas and it spits out correct code to do these complex things at the same time there was a there was a guy that was like okay write whatever code and it wrote this like 100 long line code to do something and he runs it and it errors out at a certain line of code and it gives a specific error when, when he runs it he goes back to the chatbot because it's it's a uh, inline thing. So basically, as long as you continue the conversation about that same thing, it'll know what you're talking about. And he just puts in that error. And the code goes back through and goes, oh, 
there's an error here. I fixed it. Here's the new code. And he runs it, and it works. So if you were, so if you were writing your own code, right? So you're writing your code. You come in an error you can't figure out. You could then put it in there, say this is the error I'm running into, and it would actually try to fix it for you? It, it might in that case, but this was – he started out with nothing. He typed – he told what – he told the the chat AI, uh, the chat bot, what he wanted it to write – to it write as code. Oh, okay, okay. It okay. wrote the code out. It wrote the initial mistake. He went back and fed fed in the error to it, and it fixed the error based on that and was able to run. So it fixed its own mistake. Oh, I thought it was so like he, he wrote the code in it, and then it showed him how to use it, and then it was aired. He, I didn't like. I, you did say that. I, I was thinking the other way. So it, he, right. he just fed in what he wanted the process to do. So he wanted it to shift. I'm just saying an example. Shift the color green to blue, and it did that. But there was an error. So it created. Wow. So it created the code all by itself. Creates. So you type it. So I've tried this. I've already tried this where uh, on a little bit more technical things. I've like, and it's scary weird because uh, uh, I've been like, hey, uh, what was it? Uh, write a code that would calculate the the energy transfer uh, through a heatsink, essentially like that, and it does it. It's a very simplistic model of it. It picks. It just says, okay, here's the code. Here's your variables. It has uh, your 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 heatsink plate is is this width by this width. It gives just generic value. It just gives value. It applies values to it. It says here's the code for energy transfer through a through a material, blah blah blah. And it's like this is just copy and paste. You could literally I I know this stuff because I've done this in school, and I'm like that that looks correct. And it just it wrote the code itself. Obviously, it was a very simplistic like heat sink. It was just like a square heat sink with the, like I think it was a two millimeter thickness on it. But all of the but the the equations looked correct and everything. So it was really it was really scary and cool. Have you logged into it yet? Uh, I logged into it. I'm just I just sitting because I the stop it. This is where it's at on mine. Is that it? Yes. So you're in the correct place. So at the okay. bottom there is the search bar. Yeah. Okay. So here's the cool thing for you. And why this tie, ties into what I, what we were talking about with uh, with being a, a something that could that could kind of help you get through writer's block, it'll write stories for you as well. I was playing around with this. I I told it li literally write me a six word story, and it wrote me a six word story. And you could keep feeding that in, and it's not going to give you the same story over and over again. In fact, there are instances where people have said like this is what I typed in and somebody took that type in that input and put it into theirs and it, even if it's asking you to write the same code even if you're asking it to write the same code it will write it differently so it's not the same every single time you write it in so hmm. uh, it's really cool and, and as far as writing goes I've, I've also said hey write me a uh 100 word spy thriller and it just writes me a 100 word spy thriller it gives generic names to everybody so then in the same chat I was like okay well make the bad guy's name Jerry that's all I put in and then it rewrites that 
So it knows that you're talking about the sentence that it just wrote. It goes back, and it renames the enemy Jerry. It's the same story. Just with Jerry in place of whatever generic name. Just with Jerry in the name of, yeah. So I'm actually going to have it write a six-word story and see what happens. The sun set on the horizon. If I hit go again, the storm raged on, unbowed. Interesting. So I, I did that, uh, write me a six-word story. It actually gave me a seven-word story, which I thought was very bizarre. But it says the world ends. Actually, now that you say about it, yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, th this last one is only five words. Yeah. It says uh, the world ends. No one knows why. That's got real dark, real quick. Uh, that got real dark, real quick. But like these are this. It's an interesting exercise in like, hey, what could I do with the world ended and no one knows why? Because that sounds like shit. an interesting story. What? Bro, okay, do you still have your six-word story yet? Yeah. Type in, yeah. write me a sequel. Oh, I didn't even try that. It says, the survivors rebuild, seeking meaning. Can I even type sequel? I think that's how you spell sequel. Eh, go. 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 Did you go? You went. Okay. So obviously the, the, the final one that I, they, uh... oh no, it went off of the original one. Uh, so my sequel is The Sun Emerged, Triumphant and Strong. Yeah, so then I wrote, write me another sequel. Then it says, the new world thrives with newfound wisdom. What? This is bonkers, dude. It's so much fun to play with. Uh, Another example of things that uh, people have done with it is that they have, they don't, it, it, they didn't like write code or anything like this, but they, they basically told it to tell them a story of like those old text adventure stories, make one up. And so at every, it, at every output that it would have, it would have some sort of like, what do you want to do type of input, like do like Zorgian shit. Four, blah, blah, blah exactly like Zorg and so you could choose those options and then it would make up the story as it went along in those text adventure type things hold on I'm typing something I want to try something yeah go for it but it's it's really insane about how powerful and scary this thing this thing is it has examples on here like you know explain because the other cool thing about that it can do at least with with programming and more complex things is it can actually break down why it wrote these things so it'll, it'll explain you know you type in this and this is why you do this this is what this function does for you so not only is it kind of a cool tool to be able to write program well i don't i wouldn't say full-on program but I would say scripts uh, for for yourself, 
it'll actually help you learn how to write these scripts and what these functions and, and whatnot do. What 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 happened? What happened? <laughs> so I had this weird idea, right? I don't know why this popped in my head. I said, write me a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Okay. Yeah. So perfect. it was it was short. Uh, yeah. You know whatever, but, right? But the beautiful thing is, is that the it, it obviously get into it in a second. But the beautiful thing is, is that obviously it's something that you can tell it to edit. You can tell it to change. Yeah. And it will change things based on that. Yeah. So look at the. That's uh -huh. what it just typed out, just right yeah. here. Uh, yeah, go through it, read it. So, in a world filled with magic and adventure, a group of brave heroes must band together to defeat a dark sorcerer who threatens to overthrow the kingdom. With their wits and w skills, the heroes must navigate treacherous dungeons and battle powerful monsters to stop the sorcerer and save the day. Along the way, they will encounter allies and enemies, discover ancient artifacts and treasures, and unravel the mysteries of the sorcerer's plan. Will they succeed in their quest, or will they succumb, succumb to the du uh, dangers that lurk around every corner? The fate of the kingdom is in their hands. So really cool. That, that, that's really generic. Now, now at this point, you could literally start saying, "Okay, I want the the what was it? The wizard. Give the wizard a name. Just tell just in the chat. Just just tell it whatever name you want to you know name the wizard. Whatever." The sorcerer's name is Malakar the Dark. Nice. Did it name it that, or did you name it that? No, that's what he named. I said, I said, give the sorcerer a name. Oh, you literally just said, give the sorcerer a name, and he called it Malakar the Dark. Yeah, I wanted to generate his own name. I wanted to see what it would say. And that's that's perfect. And it's so very now Dungeons going and forward, it should refer reference like if you added more to that story, if you said, hey, the. You know what's the like? What's the first place that the that the adventures start out in, or something like that? What town do they start out in? Should like name the name. If it includes the wizard, it should call him Malakar the Dark at this point. That's what I told you. It's scary. It's scary that it can do this, bro. But it's really fucking cool. What did what did it output? All right. So I put in what's the name of the town this adventure begins in. Okay. Brother. Again. A nice long yep, little. Give you thing. a nice little text. Yep. The adventure begins in the town of uh, Arvinder. A bustling hub of trade and commerce located at the crossroads of several major kingdoms. Uh, it is known for its strong defense and well-trained military, as well as its bustling marketplace and lively taverns. The heroes may be uh, uh, native to uh, Arvinder, or they may be travelers passing through on their way to other destinations. In any case, they are drawn into the story when they hear rumors of Malakar's dark plans to decide the fi the action of, to stop and and take action to stop him, what? Dude, right. 
So you could literally name of the wizard that you told it. It added more story to it. It had the starting place. It gave the starting place a name, and it gave more it like little bits of lore of that starting place. It's still fairly generic, but again, as you add more stuff to it, name your characters, do this, do that, tell you know, give backstories to your characters. It would include that stuff in its future writings. So this literally could It'll in real time. Work write a D&D campaign as you play it. Yes. Yeah. What? I guarantee you that's something that's going to come out in the next year. That somebody is going to have that same idea and they're going to do chat GPT D&D. And it just writes the story for you. What? That's fucking nuts. It gets so detailed so easily. Yeah. Now let's say that you're, uh, if you haven't uh, already uh, found out, we want to move from one subject to another. You do have to reset the thread, otherwise it will continue, you know, including stuff that it did before. There is a reset thread in the upper left-hand corner, at least when you're on the iPad. When you're on the iPhone, I'm not really sure where it is. Yeah, it's uh, a menu. But yeah, you reset. Yeah, you reset. You reset the thread, and then it just goes back to blank, and so you're not like cross-pollinating things. But once you reset it, as far as I'm aware, you can't get any of that information. And you can't and save this. You, type, you can't. Well, obviously, you can copy and paste stuff. Yeah. To save it. But the but yeah exactly like if you were to if you were to reset the thread and type in the same information, write me a D and D story. It will write a different story. Like it's not going to write the same thing again and again. So if I close this page, like out of my browser, and I go back and I log in, this will still be here unless I start a new thread? Uh, I don't know, actually. I've literally left this page running on, on my iPad in the background. I did have to re-sign in, and it did take me back to the original page. So I think it probably does reset your thread. Hmm. But I may have reset my thread anyway from the last time that I was playing around with this. Well, let's find out. Log out. Log in. Resets the thread. It resets the thread, so you do lose all your information. Yeah, because it's go back to the prompts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what? I love this thing even more now. I said, "Tell me a joke." Then it says. Oh yeah. Why was the math book sad? Why? Because it had too many problems. God, that is such a you joke. Oh, tell it to... Okay, so here... This will be interesting. Tell it to write you a joke in the style of... Uh, Bill Burr. Oh, that's disturbing. What? I said, I love that. Thank you. I said, you're welcome. I'm here to help and provide information and entertainment. Is there anything else you'd like to know or talk about? Okay, but that's just generic information. Yeah, but I want you to tell. I want you to. I want you to tell to tell it to tell you a joke in the name of whatever in this in the form of whatever comedian you like. 
I want to see if this works. This is me just guessing on, on if this will work or not. I don't know if there's enough information out there in the world because this is where it does pull pull from that it'll be able to do something like this. and who is the it did so I said tell me a joke okay. like Bill Burr okay it said here's a joke that might be similar to the type of humor that Bill Burr often uses it says why was the belt arrested because it held okay. up a pair of pants this joke uh, this is what it says at the end this joke okay. plays on the idea of a belt being used to uh, hold up pants but instead of a belt doing its job is arrested in its action. It's a silly and unexpected twist on a common object. It explained its joke like Bill Burr does. Oh, okay. Like I didn't realize that was something that Bill Burr does. Okay, but yeah, yeah. Like that's so. That's fucking hilarious. But the thing that, is, that if is, you think the prompt yeah. I gave it, it says, "Tell me a joke like Bill Burr." Right. So it used his type of humor to tell a joke. Yeah. Anyway, we could spend hours sitting here doing this. I'm going um, to. I, I know. That's why I figured I'd bring that up to you. I actually meant to bring this up last week, uh, and I totally forgot about it. Uh, because this, this came out first week of December, I want to say, is when I learned about it, when it was when it was announced. And uh, off and on, I've just been playing with it uh, ever since. And it's just such a cool, super powerful uh, thing to be able to use to uh, uh, I literally even told it because at work we use a PC doctor for diagnostics and stuff I was just like hey write me a script that would run uh, the individual test from PC doctor and it was just like okay here you go and it just spits it out and I was like this is a program that like how do you even know how to write a script for and it wrote a script for it and it looks correct I hadn't tried it uh, but it looks correct. It's so weird. Hmm. That it, like, it knew what PC Doctor was. That it was a program and how to write scripts for it. Yeah. Anyway. I think that's where we should end for today. Because obviously, uh, I have nothing further well, actually I do have one funny th I do have one funny thing that we could we could just go over real quick okay uh, it, it's not a, it's not tech related it is not uh, uh, entertainment related but it entertained me uh, according to Bloomberg almost everyone is about to become a year younger in South Korea so apparently South Korea, begins counting your age when you were born. So when you were born, you are one year old. The day you were born, you are one. Wait, hold on, what? Yeah. So when you were born, like, you fall out of your mom. Hopefully, uh, not falling out, but yeah, I get you. You get pushed out. You plopped are one. Out. You get plopped out. You are one in South Korea. So all of their documents 
everything about birth certificates and everything, you are one year older than the rest of the world would really consider you. And apparently that's caused a lot of problems uh, with, well, the rest of the world. Uh, so they are, they are or have passed a bill. Uh, yeah, the bill passed by the National Assembly on Thursday uh, would scrap the country's widely used uh, Korean age, quote-unquote is what they say, counting standard. Uh, so everyone will be losing a year in age in South Korea, according to their documents. I thought that was just funny. That's weird. Yep. Okay. Good, good for and them. And to continue on, yeah, right, continue on to the weird train, going back to tech, uh, as the final thing that I would like to just point out for this, uh, this episode. Have you seen that Dyson uh, air purifying headphones? Yeah, the $949 one. $949 Dyson air purifying headphones. Apparently they've been working on this. Like this looks like something that, that somebody would have uh, came out for the pandemic type thing. I'm saying it looks like it. They are ostensibly saying that is not what it is for. Apparently like Dyson to do, they uh, started on this thing years before the pandemic. The whole idea is that it's a, it's a, relative it's an air purifier relative to your face so it has like a it looks like a standard uh, pair of like can large headphones that you would put on but it has like a mask that comes from each side over your mouth and the whole idea is that it filters out the air uh, I think it says up to 0.1 I think it was 0.1 microns or something like that yeah, I I, I I can't remember what it said, but it's it's a pretty good uh, uh, air filter. But it's meant it's meant for specifically, you know, to be out in places that have really bad pollution and, and, and whatnot. Uh, and uh, I think even people said like on air, you know, airplanes and something like that, so that it can actually filter out filter out most of the stuff that you would breathe in. Obviously, it's not a sealed system. It's not you you do have like air that can get above and below and whatnot to come through, but it's for the most part, just to filter out uh, right there in front of your mouth. But apparently the headphones are like active noise canceling headphones and, and whatnot. They might actually be pretty decent headphones. Uh, USB-C charging, Bluetooth 5.0, it has a 3.5 millimeter audio jack, 50 hours of battery life. Uh, so it, it actually seems like it would be pretty decent headphones in and of themselves, although I don't really care for the coloring scheme on them yeah, because it looks like you're wearing a Dyson vacuum uh on your head. You it know. comes to the R, right? Well, essentially, you kind of are, because it is a Dyson. It is very much so. It just looks like a Dyson vacuum on your head. I wonder how loud it is. Man. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, how loud would that filter be? It, it, it can't be very loud. I wonder if it's, the, I wonder if it's one of those, like, uh, DB neutral... Uh, so DB neutral basically means that it can filter like recorded wise in your in your room you can still hear it, like if you're in like a room, but over the microphone it can actually filter out the same DB level and and noise uh, it creates by itself. So the other end wouldn't hear it through the microphone. You know, you remember like who was it we played games with that would sit in front of a fan? Was it Eric? Someone we used to play games with sat like with a fan directly on them, and we could hear it all the time. 
comes to Eric or Taj. Yeah, then it would be annoying because you'd hear it, but only like when he was talking or whatever, you see like or not talking about you, you would hear it like ramp up. You're like, dude, seriously, why is that fan directly on you? Like, are you what, what's happening? But I wonder if that yeah. would be like a thing where it would just filter out that noise. I'd have to look it up. Skimming through the article here, I can't. Uh, I can't see any of that stuff here. I'll have to look it up. Anywho. Yeah, look it up later. Anyway, that's anyway. it uh, for this episode. It comes naturally. We have been Joe. I have been Cody, and as usual, you fuckers just came naturally. Bye.